Hey there, folks. This is Matt popping in before the episode to just say we had some technical difficulties during the editing of this, so the audio kind of goes in and out at a few spots. Um, so just a heads up, should have them all worked out by our next episode. And all right, without further ado, enjoy. Hi, I'm made of plastic and my life is fantastic. I'm Cassie. And I am designed in some very weird CGI, and my name is Matt. And welcome to You Haven't Seen This Podcast, the podcast where this sibling duo talks about movies that only one of us has seen and enlightens the other on the, um, the wonderful cinema that the other is missing out on. Absolutely, and today is another trek for me down the nostalgia trip of mid-2000s girl culture heck yeah dude (laughs) yes uh cassie what movie am i watching for the first time today so today you are going to be um initiated into (laughs) um the the barbie movie saga with barbie and the island princess Ooh, everyone's favorite Barbie movie? Question mark? I don't know. I would say, let's see. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I know that I was a big 12 Dancing Princesses fan. Loved Diamond Castle too. So I don't know. I also loved Island Princess. So I don't know if it's everyone's favorite, but I mean, it is is quality. Barbie movies are getting a big comeback. They're on a wave. They are. Like so island like, waves. But, um, to... Already, already. These are the jokes, folks. I don't think I have ever seen this movie. I don't think so. When I started watching Barbie movies, they were kind of at... You were of the age where, like, you didn't have to, like, sit with me. Like, mom wasn't like, watch Cassie. Like, I'm gonna go do something. Like, I was probably, like... I don't know, I played with Barbies in elementary school, and so you were, like, older elementary middle school, and so you already had your own interests, and, you know, I was fine, you know, being on my own and, you know, being able to, like, watch a movie. So I don't think you've ever seen this Barbie movie before. Yeah, and Barbie movies, at least my cultural understanding is they tend to skew a little younger. Yeah. So it's not like when you were getting big into Disney Channel and watching, like, Hannah Montana and Wizards of Waverly Place and stuff that was kind of aimed a little more at the girl market, Mm -hmm. but, you know, still had stuff that I, being older than you, I was like, oh, this is still fun. You know? It wasn't... It's not like that. No, yeah, the Barbie movies are quite young because I think, like, Barbies are for, like, little kids. Like, they're a, they're a doll. They're for, you know, little kids to play with and play make-believe with. And so the, the Barbie movies do then cater to that same demographic. It isn't like oh, well, you're aging out of playing with Barbie, so then do Barbie movie. They were kind of, it seems like they were meant to be, like, coincided. Because then they were meant to coexist, because then, like, the movie would come out, 
and the the corresponding doll would come out too so you could get the doll the barbie doll that had the outfit and you know maybe like the animal friend from the movie and you could also watch the movie too so they kind of were supposed to work in tandem so yeah they were they were pretty young it wouldn't have been anything at your age that you would have been like oh yeah i can kind of see you know myself liking this barbie is like a reverse disney disney makes their dolls to promote the movies and barbie just makes the movies to promote the dolls yeah yeah you're right so why Barbie and the Island Princess? I remember we had 12 Dancing Princesses, because that is... I have vague, like, sense memories of that movie in my head. But why this movie, of all the other Barbie movies that I have not seen? Because, like, you mentioned Diamond Castle, and I'm like, wow, I don't even have a vague idea of what that movie looks like. Yeah, I think that as a kid... I was definitely more into, like I said, Diamond Castle and 12 Dancing Princesses were the ones that I really liked as a kid. But I think Island Princess is a good one because it kind of has like all the elements of like a Barbie movie. Like it has multiple animal sidekicks and Barbie is kind of, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, a Mary Sue, as she (laughs) is in, you know, most of the films. It has a prince and it has some conflict and stuff like that. It's also the one that I have watched most recently and thus have the most opinions about. Um, Because I watched it with... I watched it with my friend a couple years ago. Like, she just came over and we watched Barbie and the Island Princess. I would laugh at that, but I feel like all of my friends slightly younger than me who were raised girls have been on massive Barbie kicks during COVID, so... No, absolutely, yeah. I think it's just a... I think it's just a thing that you do. You grow up a girl watching Barbie movies, and then you kind of... You grow up a girl watching Barbie movies, and then you get to that stage where you're like, I hate pink, I hate Barbies, I hate dresses, where you want to, for some reason, you want to distance yourself from everything feminine, regardless of- I'm not like most girls. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's your first I'm not like most girls, but you're like in fifth grade this time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so you kind of have that phase, and you know- a lot of a lot of girls go through that. They kind of go through. I'm not really sure what the catalyst for it is, but you you go through kind of a a phase in like elementary school where even though you're not really like quote unquote a tomboy, you like don't want to be quote unquote a girly girl anymore. You kind of have that, and so once you get out of that phase. And you heal and you are like, you know what? Pink is a good color. I can wear dresses if I want to. And then you kind of go back and you visit like, you know, what did what did six-year-old me like doing when she was, you know, kind of in that first, you know, hyper-feminine phase before she kind of then tried to distance herself from it. And one of those things is Barbie movies. And it's kind of a thing that you can go back to. I feel like movies and shows are are 
like easier to go back to because some of the other activities you did as a child like playing with toys and dress up and stuff like that or like playing schoolyard games they're not really like anything you're super interested in doing like as an adult anymore like you're not super interested in playing with dolls and like you know playing you know foursquare and stuff like that but you're like let's see let's see what the movies were like let's see what the shows were like and see you know do they hold up what did i like about them then what do i like about them now so that's why i think it's also so it's, it's a good thing for the podcast because it, it kind of i think when a when an older when an older girl like teen girl or like you know young woman you know goes back and watches barbie movies from her childhood i think that's like the same thing that we're doing for this podcast we're watching movies from from our childhood and you know thinking about are they do we like them because of nostalgia why did we like them then do we like them now xyz Okay, thank God you were making a, like, it's a metaphor for this podcast. I thought you were insinuating you're like, so all of my episodes are going to be Barbie movies now. No, no. But I mean, if we watch Diamond Castle or 12 Dancing Princesses, I wouldn't be mad. Like I said, I don't think we could do Dancing Princesses because I think I vaguely remember it, but... Since when, if, since when have we ever like kept to the the quote-unquote rules of this podcast since now this episode forward i'm gonna be a hard stickler for the format sure survey says that was a lie if i may uh potentially mansplain your lived experience as a woman from the perspective of someone who's never and continues to not be a girl i wonder if like it has to do a little bit with around kind of you know because Stuff made for girls, unfortunately, is never good. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to make this vid this uh, movie or this TV show, or especially like video games. It's very rare that something is like specifically marketed at girls and is not like just the cheapest trash. I wonder if that's when you kind of have your first awakening to like, hey, wait, sexism exists and it sucks. I think maybe a little bit. I mean, I think I can remember kind of off topic, but I think I remember watching, I think it was probably like the first Avengers film or maybe Captain America or something like that. And not only did I like it because I enjoyed the movies and now continue to enjoy Marvel stuff, but I think I also kind of remember it being one of the first pieces of media. Because I watched it maybe like fifth grade, I think. Yeah, it was one I was of in like, grade. yeah, it was like one of the first kind of pieces of media that was not for kids and was not for girls specifically. Like obviously it was a family friendly movie. And the yeah, superhero Yeah. This isn't pulp fiction. Yeah, but... no, 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 not at all. Um, but it was kind of I think that kind of sticks out for me because I think you know, I had friends that, you know, their parents would watch, let them watch, you know, more, you know, like a, like a PG-13 movie, you know, when they were in third grade. But that's not, you know, what our parents did. So I think it was around then that I can remember that being the first time that I was like, oh, this isn't for, this isn't for kids, this isn't for, for girls. And I think that all kind of then I realized like, oh, everything else 
has been specifically for girls. Yeah, it's. I had a similar kind of feeling, and I, I think a similar sort of nostalgia feeling when I rewatched all, all my Disney movies a few years ago, of kind of just going back and being like, oh, these movies aren't just for kids. So I can kind of relate on that front, but yeah, it is interesting how that works. And I think that, like, that sort of the hatred of pink and being girly that, you know, young girls have is kind of the, you sort like you were saying, you kind of start understanding at a very, you know, base level, like not super deep that like you are treated a little different, at least to some extent by kind of your culture at large because you're a girl um, and kind of it, it's very like obvious to see like you know you go down the toy aisle for girls it's entirely pink and for boys it's lots of different colors and you know y you kind of are like well I like blue why can't I have blue toys too um I mean I even remember like for my first communion I remember like being in a party city and my mom wanted to get like pink plates like you know disposable like plates and cups and whatever for like yeah, little barbecue light. yeah we were having after and i remember being like no i, I want blue like because that was that was my favorite color at the time i want i want blue and it was kind of a, like a back and forth you know not harsh or anything but she was like no you're gonna do pink and i was like no i want blue and it was just sort of that thing of you kind of realize that like you are treated different there are, you know, different expectations for you being a girl and, you know, you kind of get a little angry about it and because you're in third, fourth grade, you don't have a lot of emotional maturity or life experience to be able to explain it. So you just start saying like, well, pink is a gross color and I don't want to play with Barbies anymore and, you know, I don't want to wear dresses um even if you actually do like those things um you kind of start doing that because it's like okay well you know i don't like that this is the only thing it seems like i get to do so now like you know rewatching like a barbie movie being older it's yeah it's like that thing of like okay now that i've come to now that i've you know now that you've lived a little, now that your feelings about being a woman are, you know, more nuanced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're more nuanced and I'm like, okay, you know, pink is not a bad color. Um, no, that's, it's very funny to hear you talk about hating pink because of how much you love pink now. I love pink. Like, I do. My room is pink. I have like a pink Chrome extension, like that turns like my tabs pink on my computer. Do you really? I've not actually noticed that. I Granted, do. I don't look my at your my my tab my um or rather my um my cursor, uh my mouse is pink. Um, I wear a lot of pink clothing. Um, I I like pink makeup. I do. I like the color pink a lot. So yeah, it's it's full circle. It's self love. It's growth. It's healing. <laughs> I also find it interesting that we're just talking about this and 
there's a lot of psychology and child psychology research on how advertising, how it's kind of this like self-feedback loop because there's the marketing to kids that kind of like is both influencing what they want but also responding to what they want. So, and it's, you know, how much of it is created. I mean, you're talking about the pink aisle and here in California, at least, uh, where we are recording. Hi, everyone. Um, you know, that they've passed a law now where that's no longer a thing. You can't straight up say this is the girl aisle, this is the boy aisle. It's more gender neutral. So it's just like, this is where we're putting the cars and this is where we're putting the dolls and stuff like that. But I mean, even still, if you walk down the doll aisle in a Target, I mean, that's a lot of Barbies, which is associated with this bright ass pink. So even still, it's like, well, it's kind of still a self, like, like it, what, it's very chicken or the egg. It's like, well, what, what starts? Why is this the association? And it's, I, there's a lot of interesting research that I do not have handy with me to access. Yeah, I remember, um, kind of, kind of branching off from that and just sort of talking about, like, the impact of Barbie on kids, because, um, I took a- Yeah, I'm like, maybe you should speak to this, because you are actually have taken some child dev classes, and I have not. Yeah, I took a, um, I I took a child studies class, and I, you know, played with Barbies as a kid, you know, it was, it was, you know, my favorite toy as a kid and you know there's one argument that says that you know barbie is you know barbie can be harmful to kids who are playing with it because her proportions are so extreme because she's you know so thin and you know it's hard to get the clothes on her sometimes and you know some you know children report more body dissatisfaction after playing with barbies compared to other toys but I think there's also um, a something to be said about the way that Barbie has kind of how Barbie is used now and not even now as in like 2021, but like last 10 years, honestly, like I think I was a little I think I was out of playing with Barbies, but maybe only by a few years when they like really started leaning into or at least I started noticing the like I can be anything like kind of slogan and how it was all the stuff about like Barbie running for president and Barbie being a nurse and a vet and a teacher and you know all of these different jobs that she could do. That's been much more at the forefront recently. You get less of the princess the fairy the mermaid it's still there but Mm -hmm. the fantasy is the the real what can little girls be is more in the forefront which is interesting yeah and i think that's definitely a, a really positive thing i mean again this is just my perspective i think that barbie can be positive in a lot of ways um just like especially when you put it in the context of like Yeah, because, like, obviously, you know, kids want to play pretend and, you know, they're going to want to play pretend with princesses and fairies and mermaids. And I used to have a little mermaid Barbie and her tail lit up and was like, there was like water and glitter inside. Oh, she was my favorite. She used to sing 
oh, she was my favorite doll. Um, so like, there's always going to be, you know, the kids who like that, but there's also going to be the, the kids who they, they want to, you know, they're gonna, you know, do checkup on their stuffed animals anyway. So, you know, they might as well, you know, do it with Barbie too. And, you know, they can pretend to be an astronaut and pretend to be president and, you know, it's, I think it can be very positive. I think it also can be negative. That's not to say that it can't be both. But my experience with Barbie was very positive. Um, I really enjoyed playing with Barbies. I think they actually, there was one Barbie in particular that I remember really helping my self-esteem. And I think it wasn't Barbie specifically. I think her name was Teresa and she had brown hair, and I remember feeling like, I don't know if validated is like the right word, but I can't think of anything else that maybe comes close to what I felt, but like having a brown haired Barbie was like affirming, I guess. I don't that know. Was... I don't know. I don't know the right word, but it was, it was nice to see that like, I knew that like, Barbie was pretty and so I think then seeing like oh Barbie with brown hair is also pretty Barbie doesn't just have to have blonde hair to be pretty and I think that's just like a tiny little segment my tiny little experience with you know how any type of representation is positive so now that you know there are Barbies that you know have a wider variety of skin tones and you know um body types now in, in body types now yeah they have i think they have like the shorter barbies they have curry barbies i think they have is that tall barbies i'm not sure um and you know barbies in wheelchairs and barbies yeah. with i think i've definitely seen like a barbie with prosthetics yeah like and so that kind of i think that that i remember that being really positive for me um and I can see that being positive for other people because there is kind of this notion you have when you're playing with it that, you know, Barbie is pretty. And so when you see Barbie with these different traits, you still kind of associate it with pretty. And so I think it is helpful. Like, like I said, seeing that brown haired Barbie, you know, it didn't. I then didn't feel like, gosh, I wish I was blonde so that, you know, I could look like her. Like, I wish I could change something or whatever. It was then like, no, she's Barbie's friend. She's just as pretty as Barbie. She just has brown hair too. And like I said, very small example of representation. And I think that expanding that it is going to be very positive for kids to continue playing with Barbie moving forward. That's so fascinating. I was I was kind of thinking of that too because, you know, in a representation, obviously in media, and we should start talking about the movie <laughs> soon. We've gone on a long, almost therapeutic tangent about uh, Barbie, <laughs> the doll. Um, but I was thinking, because obviously, rep- obviously representation is such a big thing in media. Um, 
you know, and especially now in ways that I don't think we were really having those conversations in. Let's pause so I can edit out the sound of me looking to Wikipedia. Movie came out in 2007. Thank you. Uh, that's conversations we weren't necessarily having at the same in 2007. And it's, you know, interesting. I'm really interested to see how that, number one, how that translates into a movie, how you take a character who kind of has become a sort of archetype of femininity more than an actual, like, person with a personality. Because so much of this is just you can put Barbie on anything and make it work. Um, but also to see what it sort of looks like, because Barbie is this archetype of femininity. She is also very white. I mean, she was made in the 50s. This wasn't probably as deliberate as making an aggressively white character. Like, she's not just white. She's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like, very pale. You know, she's, like, aggressively white. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how this translates into, how this character translates into a movie. I think that the character will, I mean, I will, I will let you form your own opinions, of course, but I think that sort of what we've talked about kind of with the possibilities of Barbie weren't being explored in their films. It was much more, when you look at kind of the filmography of Barbie, it is still, she is that, that very white ideal and she is still the mermaid, the fairy, the princess, you know, she, she still has a, a an air of fantasy about her. She doesn't have a lot of realism, which I think is super compelling for a movie made for children, mm. but I think that when we talk about Barbie and representation, you see that more in the dolls than you do in the films. Yeah, and probably later on, too. Yeah. Um, in, I know more of the recent Barbie stuff is more, like, realistic. Like, the YouTube stuff. The Barbie stuff vlogs. And... The Barbie vlogs! They're literally know... vlogs. <laughs> I know that stuff is more, you know, in realistic, whereas this one is, this movie we're going to talk about is a lot more fantasy. I am, I, I do think there will be interesting uh, stuff to talk about just because this is not, this isn't like a European story. So it will be interesting to see how Barbie translates to a not explicitly European setting because this isn't the Nutcracker. This isn't Swan Lake, you know. So, very interested to see how that goes. We have been talking for 30 minutes. We should actually watch this movie. So now that you've seen my Barbie-oriented therapy session, um, <laughs> let's, um, Matthew and I are going to be back in just a few seconds for, uh, uh, for you guys, but, you know, an hour and some change for us. And uh, in that time, we will have watched Barbie and the Island Princess. See you soon. From Barbie as the Alley Princess. Let's get ready for the royal ball. Rosella, you look absolutely lovely. And now we can sing. Alrighty, folks, we are back. We are back from an island in the South Seas. 
and we have watched Barbie as the island princess. So, uh, Matthew, let's let's have you start off. What are what are all your thoughts about this movie? Oh God, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't unenjoyable, but also, what was that? It was a lot of things. Yeah, that, um, that was a movie, I guess. That was, like, gender-flipped Tarzan. I think that's a good way of looking at it. I but... think there are, I even, I, I kind of felt some, uh, some elements of The Little Mermaid in there. Felt a lot of that. It was like, it was like gender flip Tarzan, except the villain, who I felt like was just what I wanted Lady Tremaine to do in Cinderella 3. Why was the villain plot in this movie just the plot of Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time? You know the cinematic masterpiece. Cassie, did you plan this? Alright folks, that's all we have time for today. <laughs> I do want to talk about the villain. Let's just start talking about the villain. Why not? So, yeah. should, we, should we, let's get, no, let's give a, sorry. Let's give a brief plot rundown so people know what we're talking about if they for some reason haven't seen this movie. And you know, I feel like that could be, could be a lot of people. So, kind of the summary is that it follows uh, Barbie, who in this, um, in this movie is playing a, a young woman named Roe who, after shipwreck, washes up on an island and befriends some some animals there, a peacock named Azul, an elephant named Tika, and a red panda named Sachi. And she, she grows up, and then a prince comes and explores the island and, and invites her back to his kingdom. Then we kind of get the main plot of the movie, which is... The prince is engaged to be wed to another princess, but he, you know, he loves Ro, he wants to be with her instead. Something that's a little, I guess, a little, little spicy about this movie is that the, the mom, the, the, the villain of this movie, the mom of Princess, uh... Luciana. Luciana, yes. I was about to say Liliana, but that's incorrect. Princess Luciana wakes up and chooses violence <laughs> every, every morning <laughs> every morning yeah and so um <laughs> spoiler alert for this you know cinematic masterpiece but um she tries to frame roe as um poisoning all of the animals in the kingdom uh or possibly disease because she's a foreigner to these lands they're bringing their disease. Uh, Duchess Adriana, the original Trump supporter? Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then uh, also, it just it's casually in there, she just wants to kill the king and queen. Just so very <laughs> casually. Very casually. So yeah, but then in the end, evil is defeated, love prevails, Ro ends up reuniting with her um, her mother and father, who were royalty of another kingdom. It's like the Aladdin ending, where it's like, Jasmine, you have to marry a prince, and then at the end, 
the Sultan's just like, wait, why is that a law? I can just change it. This is kind of the reverse of that, because it's like, you can only marry a princess, and at the end it's like, well, turns out I have been a princess this whole time, so... Guess that works yeah, for me. Gives me very, um, the ending gives me very, like, a little bit of, like, Tangled. Yeah, this also kind of felt like bootleg Tangled. This felt like the Disney movie that wasn't. Yeah, it felt like four Disney movies in one. Felt a little Tangled, a little Aladdin, a little Tarzan. Some Little Mermaid. Uh, the other girl was just Belle. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the plot of this movie. Um, it clocks in at about, I think, something like an hour 10, an hour 20, something like that. Um, it's a brisk movie and yet nothing happens. Yeah, it's definitely a movie for children. Yeah, because there's a lot, you can tell, because there's a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't really need to. And there's a lot of stuff that's supposed to be cutesy and doesn't really work. No, yeah. So, shall so, we yeah, talk so shall we start with the uh, biggest thing that doesn't really work, which are these animal designs? Yeah, so they're a little terrifying. Uh, Tika looks like she's been possessed by the spirit of a dead Victorian child. <laughs> um she has her eyes in the front, which is how you know she's a predator. <laughs> the, hold up, hold up. I'm trying to not laugh right in the camera or the 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 mic right there, but do it because it'll be funny and I'll be able to do it. Uh, she's terrifying. She has her eyes in the front, which is how you know she's a predator. Oh no, not Tico being a predator. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, Tika is horrifying. Yeah. The issue is that it's the extremely realistic eyes paired with the no polygon textures and models. So it's just like very realistic eyes out of a vaguely gray lump. Yeah. And the other animals aren't much better. The the peacock azul is a little better just because anatomically they can't put both his eyes in the front of his face. Mm-hmm. The horses were a little scary. <laughs> yeah, the horses were like, oh no. Oh goodness. But yeah, there's also like again, this is movies for children, so it's totally okay, but like Barbie's hair is like molded. Like it stays in that braid. The braid doesn't even swish a little. It's it's straight down her back. <laughs> She can pass it through her arm like Elsa. I, I feel it. Yeah. Also, the models in this movie, just the character design, they made approximately two and just recycled all of them. No, they absolutely did. All the men look the same. All the women look the same. There are three children, three little girls, who are just... They're just triplets. Like, why did they... Why did they have to be there? They served zero purpose, and they added nothing to the story. The most service they could do... Here I do my screenwriting analysis on Barbie the Island Princess. The most they did was, I guess, it was kind of a save-the-cat moment, where it's like, oh, the prince is nice, maybe we should 
have we should want him to marry Roe. Of course, that comes like forty minutes after they've declared their love for each other and are like end game, which is about forty minutes longer than in real life. And also, it it could have just been one child. It did not need to be three, who were identical. Yeah. No, absolutely. Were they wearing identical dresses at that ball, or like? I I can't remember. I don't think they were. They may have been the same dress, but I think they were probably in different colors. Wild. True. We gotta get the little girls to buy all of them. They said they really said copy paste. And you know what? I respect the hustle. Yeah. Everybody looked the same age, which was very funny. Yeah, like king and queen, you know, prince, roe, you know, evil, evil mother, you know, they all were just like the same. They're all just like vaguely 25. Yeah, it's like, we'll, we'll put a beard on you or like a lot of blush. That'll, that'll we'll age you. staple a beard onto you. Yeah. Oh, God. The character design was something, but small children um, don't really care about that. They don't. And so they were like, <laughs> whatever, we're going to do other things. You know what small children do care about? The songs. And yeah. there, was, there was something that was unlocked deep within me when they started, when she started singing the lullaby to Tika for the first time. I was like, I kind of remember like 70% of the words. And, and I don't know if that's, like, it's a deep embedded memory, or if that's just, like, I can guess what they're gonna say. <laughs> that's your, like, knob flashback like Ro had. <laughs> she, the girl has amnesia for, like, ten years of, like, I don't remember how I came here. And then, in the rawest move, when the captain just flings her off the ship, because... This movie, I guess because it's not Disney, had the balls to do what I suggested Cinderella 3 do and just actually attempt to murder the main character. They're like trying to escape off the ship and the captain's like, no you don't, turns the wheel and just knocks them into the freezing ocean. I'm like, okay. And then she's like flailing around trying to swim and all of a sudden has a flashback and remembers everything. So I guess that's how memory works in the Barbie universe. Yeah, in the in the in the BCU, the Barbie Cinematic Universe. Oh um, God! Look, all I'm saying is that she can be anything, and one of those <laughs> things is a person who has kind of kind of strange memory capabilities. Barbie in the multiverse of memory. <laughs> no. Circling back to um, songs though, I have a slight confession to make. I think I might have seen this movie before gasp there's about three or four lines from the villain song that every six months just pop up into my head and what are they what what lines I, are they i don't remember it's part of her like explaining her whole backstory but it, it just comes up, and I was like, I, I don't remember what movie this is from, other than it's clearly a Barbie movie, because nothing else looked like that movie. And then I was like, when I saw her design, I was like, oh shit, I think it, I might have seen this movie. But, aside from those literal five seconds, 
I did remembered none of it. So maybe we maybe we are breaking form yet again, or maybe we can just say like you were passing through the living room on the way to the kitchen. True. If I did sit down and watch this movie, it was not memorable. Yeah. <laughs> I did I was vaguely aware of some of the plot, um, because the Game Grumps on YouTube did a wonderful series I enjoy where they played the Wii game based off this movie. So I was vaguely aware of the iconography, but not any of the plot or dialogue, which is so wild and I did thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, it was a little wild, um, especially the like the evil mom. Her her song was just like so blunt. And, like, I get it. Again, this is for children. You can't really, you know, like, do a whole lot of, you know, skating around. But, like, she's really like, my family tried to kill the king. We got exiled. I married a very old king who, like, died a couple of days after we got married. When she I heard was that- Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. She- No, ma'am. She- She's like, yeah, she just like- and I'm like, wow, okay, way to be direct. I I understand that I don't come to a Barbie mu movie for, like, its lyrical prowess, but, like, wow. She really had, she really was like, hey, what if Be Prepared was literal and just explained everything? Oh, no, that's exactly what it was. Except instead of to, like, hordes of Nazi hyenas, she was singing it to three rats. Yeah. Hey, look, same difference. You know. Same difference. So, I think we need to address the actual elephant in the room. Oh no. And, um, just talk about- I don't about... want to talk about Tika again. I- we just need to talk about just how infuriating Tika can be. Yes, uh... Like, part of me, like, when I watched this a couple years ago with my friend, both of us were just screaming at the TV, like, Tika! Like, we were just, like, so upset with her and, like, everything she did throughout the film. But I think there's maybe a little bit of me that's, like, Tika's probably, like, canonically, like, seven. And she's just kind of, like, scared about losing her friend and all that. But she's still kind of infuriating where it's just, like, Tika, let your friend have something. Stop making things complicated. I want Tika. this movie to be over. Tika, don't you understand? We fell in love in three seconds. Yeah. After he attempted to colonize my island. He really did do that. This, there is a post-colonial reading here that I am not equipped to make. But it's there. If anyone is interested, I will help you in your post-colonial reading of Barbie and the Island Princess. I, I would like to see it. He shows up. He's just singing. <laughs> he shows up and is just singing this song. And he's like, oh man, what's gonna be on this wonderful island? What resources can I exploit? And then he meets Ro. She saves him from crocodiles. And then he's like, well, do you want to come with me? And she's like, eh, sure. It's a Tuesday. I've got nothing better to do. And then scene change. By the time they get to the palace, the prince is like, Mom, Dad, I've met the most special, amazing girl, and I'm like, you met her approximately three hours ago. 
Okay, one thing I will say for that, he says he's been at sea for weeks. <gasps> so, <laughs> so something will lead me to believe that, I don't think it is, but something maybe will lead me to believe that it was, it's a several weeks journey back to his, like, his homeland, his, his kingdom. So maybe this wasn't an overnight thing. Maybe it was over the course of a few weeks, but that's a pretty generous reading. Two comments to that. Number one, again, my screenwriting analysis, this is why you show and don't tell. You, we would want to see that, um, we would want to see that relationship build as opposed to just being told, oh, hey, there we are. You know, we'd want to see, like, it, it's rom-com 101. We want to see the back and forth between the two to see, do we like them? As opposed to them getting to the end, getting there and just a scene transition and being like, we're in love now and that's the point. Have you ever considered that A, this is a Barbie movie for children? <laughs> and B, and B, um, neither of them have personalities. Which brings me to my second point. His song should have just been what the sailors are singing at the beginning of Lovely Ladies from Les Mis, if he's been in Sea That Long. I, I don't like that. My, 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 my jaw dropped when you said that. My brow is furrowed, <laughs> my shoulders are tense. <laughs> I, I, I don't like that reading. I'm gonna have to ask you to walk that back. <laughs> I refuse. You made me watch Barbie and the Island Princess. This was a cinematic masterpiece, okay? Okay, no. Cinderella 3 was a cinematic masterpiece. You got this it right. Was... <laughs> Shh. Dang it, you got me. Yeah. I just think... So, upon... I think what I liked about this movie when I watched it when I was young was I think I just sort of liked all of the sort of, like, fantasy Barbie movies. I don't think I was necessarily even interested in the, like, the romance part of it, or really any of the plot. I think the part I really remember and liked as a child was when they were on the island. And I liked, like, I thought it was pretty and, you know, liked the animals and that she could talk to animals and stuff like that. They're that's on the what... island for approximately three minutes. No, they are. And that just shows you that I liked the island better than I liked the castle. To be fair, I'm kind of with you. I was surprised. I was like, there will at least be a little bit of her on the island. And then it's like, oh, oh, no, they're at, they're at the castle. Okay, here we are. No, yeah, you were talking about, in the in the beginning, you were talking about, like, oh, I'm excited to kind of see, you know, it, you know, not be all royal and have some, some time on the, the island. And I was like, I don't know how to break this to you, but they're there for <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> they are there for everything interesting for, was there for five minutes. And then it was just exactly every other movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember liking that as a kid. I don't really remember, like, I didn't not like it, but I don't remember, like, the castle parts being my favorite. I think that I had other Barbie movies and castles, like Diamond Castle and stuff like that, that I liked better. Um, and Twelve Dancing Princesses and stuff like that. And I think it was the, 
I, I remember the island because it was like a different thing from those other Barbie movies that we had. And that was the part I liked most. And I liked that she, you know, kept her sort of islandness kind of throughout. And that's what I remember enjoying. Yeah, that is the most interesting thing. Although I do get from a marketing perspective why you want to get to the thing you can sell as quickly as possible. It'd be kind of hard to sell an island playset. Her dress was great. Um, yep. One of the at least more interesting princess dresses. Because mm-hmm. I've... You had Barbies. I've seen at least the posters for a lot of Barbie movies. All these dresses look kind of the same. They do. They're kind of what does the cultural imagination understand to be a princess dress? And how can we translate that into kind of just visual language? It's like 18th century, but also you're only giving us $5 total to animate this movie, so... So, like, yeah. That's what the design is. Exactly. No, exactly. And so I do remember, like, enjoying, like, the, again, like, the island elements of the film. And that's what I liked about it as a kid, as a, an adult now, as a woman. I can't say I like this movie much at all. It wasn't bad, but it's just a movie for children. I think it was bad. I mean, I think there's better movies. There are so many better movies you can put on for your child. Like, yeah, obviously. At least this one wasn't, like, offensive or, like, actually bad. It's it's more there's just nothing in this. Yeah. It definitely is a movie that, like, you buy your child because they play with Barbies. It's not a a movie that you buy your kid because, like, you enjoy it. Like, you know, a parent might show their kids, like, old, like, old Disney movies, like, older ones, because they enjoy them, too. Whereas this is like, you know, I don't see many adults who are like, yeah, man, Island Princess, top three movies of all time. Uh, gonna show that to my child. Lord knows with these millennials and these Gen Zers, who knows? You know, whatever floats your boat, so long as it doesn't sink mine. I mean, go off, I guess, but I can't see, I can't see a lot of people doing that. All right, so I guess we can go into sort of our closing thoughts about what we thought about this movie, what we think about Barbie yeah, movies in like, general. Is there anything else to even talk about in this movie? Not really. It, it was a movie with very little substance. So I think we can just talk about, you know, kind of give a wrap up what you think about Barbie movies, what you think about Barbie, you know, and just kind of uh, go from there. I mean, look, there's just... It, it's not a movie that's bad or would actively, like, harm your children to watch. I actually made a note. There's a line where the evil mom is, she's poisoned the food at the wedding, and she tells her daughter, like, don't eat the food. It's tradition. It'll be bad luck. And I commented, like, oh, that could have been, like, a problematic don't eat. You're getting fat you don't want that so it's like good for them for avoiding that but i mean there's it's very it's there's nothing there if you absolutely need to put something on 
for your child, and this is the only option, it won't hurt them, but, uh, why would you, if there's any other option? Yeah, it's definitely a movie that, like, I guess it's sort of, like, empty entertainment, and that's not even necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, of course I am going to always be a proponent of giving your, you know, giving children, you know, educational, you know, content whenever possible, but I also, you know, understand that realistically that's not something that a parent or a caregiver or babysitter or whoever is always, you know, able to do. Like, so, you know, throwing on a Barbie movie like this, like, it's fine. Like, it's not actively harmful, not actively helpful, but like, if you need your kid to sit down for like, you know, an hour, hour and a half, like, this is, this is a fine movie to throw on. It might keep their attention. It's fine. Yeah. I think in terms of Barbie in general, like I mentioned previously, there are good and bad things about Barbie. I think that Barbie as like a toy can be a really positive thing for kids to play with. I think that with a little guidance as a parent, and not even a whole lot, but just a little, it's certainly something that can be very positive. I think there's also um, something that I realized as a kid and I think helped me from feeling bad about playing with Barbies and like having body dissatisfaction is just reminding them that Barbie is an adult and that, you know, it's okay that you don't look like her. It's okay that you're not as skinny as her or, you know, anything like that. That's what I, that's why I think I never had any like problems with Barbie as a child, like in terms of like body satisfaction, which I know that some kids do because I was able to recognize that like, I am a child, Barbie is supposed to be an adult. That means we're not supposed to look like each other and that's okay. I think telling them that and then I think also just like, you know, having them, you know, engage in a type of, you know, positive, dramatic play with their Barbies. And, you know, kind of, you know, trying to keep them away from things that are, you know, catty and mean-spirited and stuff like that. But I think you that's good to do with any type of, you know, dramatic play with kids is, you know, trying to make it, you know, positive and about problem solving and not about, you know, anything that maybe is potentially, like, harmful or just maybe not a, a value you want to instill in your kids. Those are my hot takes on how Barbie can use, be used as an educational toy. My hot take, if you're gonna use, you know, as Cassie said, Barbie is just a tool to be used to teach whatever values you'd like to instill in your children. Therefore, my hot take is allow them to just emulate all the crazy villain crap they want to do. Just go nuts. Have fun. This, I, I feel like maybe we were a little hard on this movie because it is clearly made for like five-year-olds, but also at least make entertaining stuff for five-year-olds. And if your five-year-old wants to play with a Barbie and cook up some Game of Thrones plots to go with it, go right ahead. Alrighty, well I think that about wraps up our fun discussion on 
Barbie and the Island Princess, which veered very quickly off into Barbie as a whole, but and there wasn't too much in this movie to discuss, so. Yeah, so this is kind of, this is just sort of a, a Barbie episode, so you're welcome for that, uh, fellow yeah, Barbie lovers. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a great loss, um, but yes, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of You Haven't Seen This, and until next time, stay away from sunset herbs and creepy elephants with doll-like eyes. Bye-bye! Silent Kid sings three songs and has a microphone for you. DVD in stores now.